Back in 2006, uh, previous director Christoph Gans was said to be well on the way with Silent Hill 2, only to later pull out. Um, at what point did you step in on the film, and did you start from scratch with the script and story? Uh, okay, uh, yes, I started from scratch with the script and story. Um, I don't know what Christoph's reasons or backstory why he didn't end up in the movie. I'm, I'm delighted he didn't. <laughs> of course. Sounds like, uh, you know, our, my next question was, did it make things tougher to have to pick up where the last movie left off? But it sounds like uh, it really was pretty easy and it gave you a lot of flexibility to kind of start your next story and, and have some stuff there to, to begin with. Would you say that's true? Um, well, no, actually, conversely, it was, I mean, the fact that it was the amount of time that passed was very useful. But the truth of the matter is, is that I had to do sort of three things with one script. I had to do a sequel to a movie of Mm-hmm. I also have to do a movie which stands alone for an audience who may not care about Silent Hill, the first movie, or have ever played the computer game, but just want a really entertaining, scary horror film. So having a script that could do all three of those things and serve those three masters at the same time was really a difficult challenge, and that was, that was the biggest headache of all for me throughout the whole process, was trying to find a way of making sure that the Silent Hill game fans got 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the first film, though, one of those films that I think gamers really loved seemed to not fare very well with the critics. So I'm sure that it was tough to, to build off of what was there already and hopefully reach a, a wider audience than last time. Um, I mean, do you think you accomplished that? Oh, go ahead. Sure. Time will tell whether we talk in order to do better or how the critics respond. I mean, I think there's a the kind of natural prejudice in the critical world. I mean, oh, it's a game adaptation. You know, therefore it must be bad. But the truth of the matter is, is that the storytelling in Silent Hill 1 is, is really very complex to the point where if you know the game world, you probably can't follow the story. Absolutely. Now, and, and that's if you're, if you're a camera and you love Silent Hill, that's terrific. But if you're somebody who just wants to go and see an entertaining movie, that's a problem. I think most critics are not gamers, therefore they won't get it. Now, with this movie, I felt that it was an obligation to try and make it a little bit more accessible so that we didn't fall into the trap of just losing or alienating an audience who weren't there to start with on the first movie when play the game. Critics, I don't know, I can't, you can't never tell what critics are going to like. They like some weird stuff and they... they they hate some weird stuff, so that's, that's not an issue when you're putting the film together. You try and make the best version of the story that you're telling. You hope absolutely the audience go along with you and that they enjoy it and they appreciate it. But um, I don't know, I mean, the movie, the first one cost a lot. It was an expensive picture, but it, it, it did make a profit. It made, you know, 100 million, 200 million around the world when it finished its run. Um, and, and has been, I think, retrospectively, is now regarded as one of the best computer game adaptations. I mean, uh, from a personal level, I absolutely love the film. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think that's tough with, with game ad adaptations is you never know how the gamers are going to respond. And um, in this case, Silent Hill is such a beloved franchise. I mean, are you afraid of how gamers are going to react? Are you afraid of the nitpicking that's probably inevitable to come after this? Uh, you know, are you ready for that? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for that. I, I don't, I think it's within everybody's right to pick apart a movie and critique a movie as much as they feel they want to once it's released to the public. That's what you do. You say, okay, this is a movie, guys. I hope you enjoy it. Make of it what you will. Um, they absolutely will pick it apart. Sure. Um, and, 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 and they should. And at least they're picking it apart and they're watching it and they're analyzing it and they're making judgments of the decisions that I've made. If you are an absolute Silent Hill purist who simply wants to see the story of game number three, literally translated to the screen, you're going to just be disappointed because this is an adaptation. This takes the foundation of that and changes it and develops it and turns it into a more filmic piece of storytelling. Because the other thing to remember, and people get very confused about this, is that games and movies are not the same medium. They happen to take place on screens in front of you. Correct. But they're not the same process of storytelling. One is a passive experience and the other is an active experience. And I, I personally have love of both kinds and as a place for both both experiences. But with a, when we are watching a movie, you're trying to engage them on a, on a much purely emotional level. Um, now, great movies, sorry, excuse me, great modern games are really doing that now as well. So as a filmmaker, I'm, I'm having my heels nipped out by a medium which is really developing very, very strongly 
I think I think movies have to, have to keep aware of that. that you know, the, the games are potentially taking us to places that movies have historically done. They are still different mediums. In the same way that a graphic novel is not a storyboard for a movie, you know, and people just think, oh look, they're drawing the pictures, that's what you want to make. It's not. The movie, movie filmmaking and storytelling is about finding a resonance and a mythology and a character journey that you want to go with. And that's not the same thing at all. So, I, you know, you have to be very careful about um, your thinking, you're comparing life with life, and they're very different things. Of course, yeah, no, I mean, it's... Uh Making a, a game movie is no easy task, and uh, you know I have no doubt that. It, 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 it sort of never worked. I mean, I remember I was so excited about Doom, thinking it was going to take us, you know, but there you go, it doesn't always work. And I think you're going to be seeing more and more game adaptations because these things make so much money, and it becomes about commerce. It's like I, you know, I wonder why you ever want Halo movie, for instance, because playing that game, you know, that visceral experience is, is so powerful. And to make a movie which stands alongside Halo would be just so vastly costly and, and difficult to achieve. Same with God of War. I mean, I'd love to see a God of War movie, but God help the person who's going to make it. Of course, yeah, they're very visceral games. They're, they're kind of, you have to feel it, and it's very interactive. So I imagine capturing that kind of feeling in a movie is extremely costly, extremely tough. But I mean, listen, if, if, if I could throw my hand in the ring on anything, I'd go for half life myself, but there we go. Ah, perfect. I was going to ask what, what else you might be interested in doing. Half-Life would be a phenomenal one, and I'm sure plenty of fans. I'd actually like to start with Half-Life 1 as well in Black Master and just start with the experiment going horribly wrong. Um, I always thought, you know the movie The Mist? Yes. Yeah, I always think in the, the, the thing rolling down the hillside in the background of The Mist, that's Black Master in the mountains, and that's what's gone wrong there. <laughs> With the the first silent film, the the movie used a lot of practical effects for the monsters that were digitally enhanced. Um, what are your feelings on the effectiveness of practical practical special effects as opposed to digital ones when it comes to horror? Oh my God! I mean, that's practical all the way for me. Yeah. I think particularly for horror because you can put the monster in the environment with the performer, um, and that, that's a huge advantage to that. I mean, there's, there's a couple of the geek in me loves to go to kind of creature workshops and see, see things being built and sculpted and be able to pick up the head up or see the, see the sword or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> just, just, you know, the, the teenage kid gets a lot of that. There's no, there's no visceral response to things and going to be just great. That is being created. I mean, the artistry is there and it's wonderful, but I still want to smell that kind of latex and feel the rubbery man's. The, the, from, the, from a filmmaking point of view, it works better if you can have a creature standing on the set for the, not just for the actors actually, but just for everybody to respond to. Sure. So you know how to light it, you know how it's going to move. And there are times when an enhancement is you know, really the way to go, so that you can take a creature which is practical and make and do some digital adjustment to it. I know they did that on the first movie. Mm -hmm. it's been a very tiny bit on this one, just cleaning up bits and pieces. We have one fully digital creature in Silent Hill Revelation, and that's the thing called the mannequin monster. And it's basically kind of it's a creature made up of mannequin body parts that can be brought together. So you have heads and legs and torsos and things. It moves like a giant spider. Yes, very cool. And it's yeah, and it's sort of, it's a really, really cool monster. We spent a long time trying to figure out how on earth you could make it practically. And we just didn't have the resources for it. You could have done, but it would have taken months with, with rod puppets and all sorts of approaches to get the effect we wanted. And the 
experiences and the, and the digital creation is really, really, really good. And it's been beautifully rendered by the effects company and looks looks spectacular. But the bottom line is, give me Red Pyramid standing on the stage with the blade in his hand. Or we have this fantastic creature, which is a, I mean, only appears for one scene, but we've got him the brain monster. And he's basically got the top of his cranium removed, brain fully exposed. All his the skin has been kind of resected and peeled down by the side of his face. Where his mouth was, is just kind of big, empty cavity of broken teeth. He's incredibly thin, covered in scars. Um, and this is a man, this is a man in makeup, basically. When he walked onto the set, and it was in asylum status, it was going to this horrible, corrupt, dark world of Silent Hill. Yeah. He, says, he, can't, he can't see anything because he's wearing his full mask. He sort of stumbles and staggers onto the set. The crew respond. You can just feel a ripple of response from everybody as he's standing there. And, you know, Adelaide has to fight this monster. And, you know, her response is genuinely real. It's repulsion. It's, it's horrific. And I think that alone just gives you something extra that you can't, you can't do with digital. Oh, absolutely. I have to imagine that, that just physically having someone there, and especially in that kind of makeup, that there's some, some real terror. And I know that uh, Universal Studios is actually doing for, for Halloween their, their Silent Hill uh, display and, and attraction. And, you know, clearly that, that brings some terror for the people visiting. So I'm sure very similar on set. I hope so. I mean, I, I really hope it does. And I mean, because obviously, you know, 10 yards off the set, there's catering and everything sitting around chatting. But in, within that world, it, it really does It really does work. It's, and I, I actually haven't been to the universal thing, but I'm going to go to it next week. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they've done. Very cool. Yeah, I have not had a chance to check it out, but very excited myself. Um, I have a, a question regarding he Heather Mason. Just given uh, the, the current debate in gaming, this gender in games and, and strong female protagonists, um, Heather Mason was a pretty strong female character in Silent Hill 3 and very down to earth. Um, how do you straddle the line of making a believable female protagonist that doesn't fall into the trap of being a screaming frantic damsel in distress? Um, well, I mean, it, it, starts with, it starts with the writing. I mean, clearly, you know, clearly Heather in the games is, you know, she's feisty and she's cheeky and she, you know, she doesn't seem to get terribly frightened or freaked out. Um, the key, I think, with the um, with the, the writing of the character for a movie, you have to ground her in a reality. She has to behave in a way which a human being would behave faced with this horrible thing happening to this journey into a darkness, which you know, could be her own psychology just clutching in on her, or she's genuinely going into this horrific nightmare world. So, you know, I, I, casting of Heather using Adelaide Clemens was, you know, was key because she's. I mean, I'm not interested in scream queens particularly. I wanted a, a girl who felt like a real human being, who was confused about her past, was, but was prepared to go to the ends of the earth to rescue her father, and in the process discover who she really is. You know, and that's, that's a performance you're looking for. That's not just somebody standing on set and scream at a rubber monster. Of course. That's, that's a full character arc where she plots what she's going to, what she's going to do, how she's going to behave, and even in the face of these, you know, men in rubber suits around her, which, you know, yes, she's viscerally responding to, it's got to be done in character all the time. So, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's obviously a, a huge tradition of, of young women in jeopardy in horror movies, and it's a mainstay, and it can continue to be that way for the time immemorial, I think, but it's always got to be drawn from, from character first, and, and making the character believable. If you don't believe the response of the character, you're not going to get in any way invested in their, in their fears and dangers. Absolutely. So this is just a fun one to end it up. Um, Silent Hill takes it takes the fear of its victims and manifests them as horrific monsters. If you were in Silent Hill, what would be chasing you through the fog? 
How could you beat that? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> all right, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Michael. No problem. Good to talk to you. Take care.